What happens when an entire healthcare system has to go to remote care almost overnight in response to the coronavirus? Well, first, everyone who is working on telehealth suddenly gets a lot busier. We also leap over many years of slow progress on bringing telehealth to rural regions and hope that the best of what we learn from this process can stay in place when the emergency ends. We hit pause on the Policy and Planner English podcast in the rush to set up systems to respond to COVID-19 in Vermont. Which, don't get us wrong, it's not like everyone suddenly has a lot of free time now six weeks in. But it's also a time when we can start looking a bit into the future. And we're restarting the episodes with an easier-to-edit format to explore some special themes, starting with telehealth. We thank Northern Counties Healthcare for their support of this effort. Telehealth is a term that covers a wide array of services and tools that allow healthcare to be delivered remotely. And it existed before COVID-19. There's a lot of reasons why a patient may have trouble getting to a healthcare office and want to use some of these options. Lack of transportation, a need for frequent visits that would interrupt work schedules, concerns about a compromised immune system, or maybe just plain bad weather. A lot of people think about telehealth as a patient connecting with their provider just like they would in a normal office visit, except from different rooms. And that's true, but telehealth opens up more tools than simply replacing those in-person visits. For example, remote patient monitoring allows clinicians to collect regular data like blood glucose levels for patients with diabetes or oxygen levels for patients with lung disease and catch problems early. Or telehealth can allow providers to consult with each other. For example, if a primary care physician wants input from a specialist as they develop a patient's treatment plan, they can use what's called an e-consult for a provider-to-provider connection. That may save the patient from driving long distances to meet with the specialist themselves. We're using a remote tool to keep the local connection. Until now, telehealth had been off to a slow start in a lot of rural America, particularly in primary care. There are many reasons for this. One is that it wasn't until recently that we stopped needing special equipment for a lot of these services. Today, you can access something like telemedicine with Zoom and an iPad. A decade ago, you needed a video conferencing room. The adoption of electronic health records has facilitated provider consultations. And of course, broadband expansion has also been key. Even though it's not yet available in all households, it is now available at most practices in Vermont. Telehealth also isn't for everybody at a personal level. Not every provider wants to provide it. Not every patient wants to access it. But the number of people interested in the new tool has also grown over time. One of the main barriers to telehealth, though, has been whether payers will reimburse for it. That's something that has been changing in recent years, but in a very piecemeal fashion, with differences across states and across different insurance. Critically, in non-COVID times, federally qualified health centers, or FQHCs, aren't paid to deliver telemedicine at all by Medicare. In Vermont, that means that 38% of Medicare beneficiaries get primary care from a practice that cannot bill for telemedicine themselves. They can only connect patients to providers working somewhere else. Then COVID-19 happened. Suddenly, we needed to have telehealth available. All the slow trends and bits and pieces became an overnight change. That leaves us with a telehealth system, from reimbursement to licensure to patient access to equipment, that had to scramble to catch up for the emergency. It also leaves us with the question of what this system should look like leaving the emergency, because all the reasons why we wanted to add digital options to our healthcare are still there, plus a new appreciation we all have for needing to protect against infectious disease, whether it's COVID-19 or the regular flu. 
There's a cultural moment of asking when it's best to go to the doctor if we're sick and when it's best to have the doctor come virtually to us. The next series of podcast episodes will explore the system changes happening now and that need to happen for telehealth in Vermont. In the meantime, here's some reflections from Bi-State members on how they've experienced this sea change. Transitioning to telehealth demonstrated how flexible and committed all the NOTCH staff are in providing care to our patients. What we did in two weeks could have taken six months in any other uh, environment. We also found that there are certain patients that had a tendency to be no-shows with transportation problems and are now really receiving better care because they're taken to the telehealth. We've always felt that telemedicine was a cost-effective way to provide services to some of our patients in certain conditions. What we would really like to see is a consistency and reimbursement so that we can expand our program and know that we can serve all of our patients without picking and choosing. Just offer a quick thought about what's going on in the world of the free clinics. They have all pretty much completely shifted to remote operations and are using a variety of simple telephoning and other methods to connect with their patients and clients. Not in the world of charging for services, so that part of the whole telehealth conversation is not an issue for them, but certainly how how it's all playing out operationally and what it's likely to be in the future are things that we're beginning to, to tackle and understand better. We are really optimistic that this may be a solution to our infrastructure constraints should this be expanded uh, after COVID is over. The one limiting factor we have right now is our septic system. We're finding that many of our providers are really enjoying doing telemedicine from home, and that would be a game changer as far as being able to bring additional providers on board within our current infrastructure. We also are seeing that there are several patients daily that don't have access to video. Obviously, we're providing them care anyway, but it's really critical that the audio only is reimbursed. That was Pam Parsons from Notch, Don Reuther from Community Health Centers of Rutland, Steve Meyer from the Vermont Free and Referral Clinics, and Kayla Davis from Batten Kill Valley Health Center. Join us next time when we set out the framework for telehealth reimbursement during COVID-19. Yes, that's another exciting Policy in Plainer English episode where we describe a chart, always a popular form of healthcare entertainment. We'll talk soon, and we'll link a preview of the exciting chart in our show notes so that you can get ready for the next episode of the Policy in Plainer English podcast. (laughs) Thank you.